listening to a Military Life Media podcast. Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever and whenever you want. And with products and services tailored for ADF members and Defence spouses, you'll wonder why you didn't join sooner. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. You have been a defence partner for a little under two years. Can you tell me how you met your ADF member? Ben and I matched on Hinge or however you do it. I was so new to it all, I didn't really understand. And he sent me a message on there and then asked me out on a date. He took me to a winery and yeah, that's how we met. You had a face-to-face date, but were you both located in that area at the time or was he in the area training? How was it working? So I was living in Newcastle. I'd been living there for probably three years. And then he went to Singleton to do some training there for, I think, three months. And we met at the start of him being in Singleton. What did that actually mean for you when you met him online and you found out that's what he was doing, that he was training and that his intent was to be in the ADF? Did you have any type of feelings around that? When you're just meeting for a first date, like you're not planning your wedding at that stage, but did you sort of have a think about like, oh, what could this mean? Yeah, I didn't really understand the full extent of it. I was kind of a bit, not blinded, but really naive, I think. It wasn't until, yeah, we'd been seeing each other for maybe a month or so. He just sort of said one day, oh, I should probably let you know that I'm moving to Adelaide in July. I already knew that he was going to be going to Pakapanyal for three months to do a bit more training. And then I didn't really understand what after that looked like. And then he said that he was going to Adelaide. And he said, do you think you might want to come? And I, <laughs> I always say that he caught me at a very vulnerable moment. It was like 5am, I just happened to be up. He sent me the message and I said yes. So after that, we just kind of got to planning and yeah. So at that stage, how long had you been seeing each other when he was like, oh, just to let you know, long term, this is what yeah. is on the cards for me. Are, Maybe, are you sort of yeah. in or out? <laughs> Maybe a month. And he's like, just want to be completely open and just let you know that that's like what's going to happen. Don't really have a choice about it. So I completely understand if you don't want to be in it, but that's my life and I would really like you to be in it. But I can understand that it's a big thing to ask of somebody, especially the fact that we didn't really even know each other at that stage. What went into your decision being that, okay, let's give it a go. I'll move with you. Why wasn't the decision we've only been seeing each other for this amount of time, that will mean that we will have to part ways. Like what was it inside of you that was like, yeah, I'm up for this? We'd really hit it off and he was just so lovely and I'd never met anyone sort of like him and it was still, say, six months away by the time it would mean moving. So I thought I'm just going to say yes for now and then if it doesn't work out in the next six months, then no harm done. But I knew he was moving to Victoria and I would still be in New South Wales for, I think, three months we did that. And I just thought, like, if we can get through that 
and come out all right, then who knows? And I just always just took it as an adventure that if it never worked out, that I could easily get on a plane and come home. What actually had to go into the decision for you to move with him and for you to be a couple and it's pretty serious to be moving states and mm. be moving in together. But on the technical side of things, did you have to get paperwork done? Did you have to get recognised as a couple? Like how did it work with yeah. you know, the logistics of you actually being able to move with him? My side of things was pretty, like I didn't have any strings at that stage. I was finishing my hairdressing apprenticeship, so I didn't have that to worry about. I was starting nursing online. I wanted to move away from Newcastle anyway. I thought I might move back to my hometown. I wasn't really sure, maybe to Sydney bit floaty on where I wanted to be. So I knew that I was going to be studying online anyway. From his side of things, he explained about getting recognised and that sort of thing, but we had to be living together before that happened. So we didn't get recognised until I think we'd been living in Adelaide for maybe three months by that stage. So I didn't really get any support financially from ADF, which I didn't really know that it was a thing or didn't expect it. He came back to New South Wales and I helped him pack up his room on base and told took all of his stuff and then we went to my house and packed it all up in the ute and we set off. <laughs> when you moved to Adelaide, how easy was it for you guys to find like a rental property and to set yourselves up? Because, you know, we've got that fallback of being able to get a DHA property because, you yeah. know, you might not necessarily be able to get into the rental market or find a place with the time frame needed. How did that work and was it a smooth process for you or what was that like for you? It was actually really, really smooth because he had already planned while he was at RMC, one of his friends there, they were always planning on, she already had a house, already had a rental in Adelaide. She was already living here and that was always their plan that they were going to be roommates and go from there. So it was pretty easy for me to sort of slot into that. And then once we'd gotten recognised and all of that, we thought that it would be a good idea to go into DHA which we're in now. And I think it's, yeah, it's been awesome. So what did your friends and family think about you making the decision to up and move with someone who, when you, at the time when you made the decision, you'd only mm. been together a month, but like you mentioned, by the time it was time to move, you w- would have been together for six, seven months and had yeah. that separation and tested the waters with how strong you are long distance and all of that sort of stuff. But what was the general sort of feeling from friends and family about making that decision? <laughs> I think it was... um It's funny, like my grandparents were so, okay, that's going to be awesome. Good for you. Just happy to see me happy. I think my mum was a bit like, oh, you're leaving. So I think she didn't ever want me to go. She was happy that I was happy, but she didn't want me to go. And then all the friends that I had in Newcastle anyway were just people from work and I was finishing up there regardless. And other people that I knew, you know, you get some people that are like, oh, it's not going to work out. So I don't even know why you're going. And I think that just made me more determined to (laughs) make it work. I wanted to prove people wrong. So yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag. It always felt like I had to justify me going. Now that I'm here, I think everyone's just so used to it. At what point did you start to sort of think, okay, defence life is going to be my life and it's going to be part of my life? My defence member is doing his thing and that's his career, but at some stage it's going to impact your life with postings and you know all that comes with defense life did you start to think oh maybe I should look a bit more into what defense life is like or start to research or connect with other spouses did you have that moment where you sort of thought okay this is getting serious I need to sort of figure out what this is going to be like 
Yeah, I think that probably happened maybe three months into us living in Adelaide. I think before that, I just had it in my brain that I wasn't going to be a part of Defence Life. It was just a sub part of our life. But I think I just realised eventually that there's no point in, I've just got to embrace it. Then I went down the rabbit hole of, oh my God, (laughs) this is so much. So then I really started asking questions and the person we were living with, they were really helpful before they became an officer that they were enlisted. So they knew a lot more probably than even Ben did. So just, yeah, asking a lot of questions and did a lot of research on my own, tried to join heaps of Facebook groups and that sort of thing, just read up and figure it out. Then was away a lot, which I think I just had all this free time to just sort of look into it all. But even now I still feel like I'm finding stuff out every day. When you're finding that stuff out, is your partner, Ben, also finding that stuff out? Because it tends to be sometimes the partner is informing the ADF member about some of the things that exist. That is so true. Sometimes he'll come home and I'll be like, oh, I saw this on Facebook. We should should look into that. And he's like, oh, I I didn't even know that was a thing. No worries. We should do that. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of the time it is actually like that. We're finding stuff out together and they don't tell you all this stuff. (laughs) So when you became a defence partner and now you've been together nearly two years, did you have any expectations of what defence life might be like just from doing a little bit of research, maybe seeing things on TV or movies? And did you have this expectation of what it would be like? Yeah, see, I I didn't know. I had this expectation of just like, oh, it's just like any other job, you know, he'll work nine to five and be home on the weekends and it's going to be fine and and then I also thought oh um okay does that mean he'll go away like overseas is that what I don't know like I had no idea and so yeah I didn't actually know really I really didn't know. Ben was up front with you you know a month in saying I'm going to be moving soon and I want you to come along with me and this is what is ahead for me in the near future for defence he was just as new as pretty much as you and you're learning together beyond will you move with me for my initial posting and are we going to stay together kind of thing. When did you have that more in-depth conversation about, okay, well, what is your career path likely to be? Will you be, like you mentioned, deployed? Will you be going away a lot? Like what does defence life look like for you in regard to your career and how is that then going to impact me? I think we sort of butted heads a little bit when we first moved because he didn't really know how much he was meant to be working. You know, he'd be the first one there, the last one to leave, put a lot of strain on us because we just moved in together and that's a whole thing in itself. And then I think when I came to the realisation that I should just embrace defence and really work with it rather than try to make it what I want it to be, I think we sat down probably only end of last year and really I was like please just write out year by year ideally what it looks like for you at the moment there's operations and stuff and it's like are you going I don't know okay well when will you know I don't know (laughs) so yeah we had those conversations as well and I think knowing the general plan of what he wants to do and that sort of thing I think calmed the waters a little bit and then now there's that plan and he gives me the option yeah sometimes we can feel like well why can't you say no to that or why can't you 
be specific with them and say, this is what you want to do. And this is the path you want to go down. Like either one of you don't have control of it, but being on the same page and being open and honest with, okay, well, this is where I want to go with it. And this is, I want you to come along with me. And how does that work for both of us kind of thing, as opposed to not having those conversations? Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. I think once we both sort of came to that, like understanding of each other, he wants the information just as bad as what I do. It's just not there. Now we're just like, okay, whatever happens, it happens. We know that what our general plan of what we want our relationship to be, we'll just make it work however it has to work. And I'm at uni and we prioritize that as well. And yeah, just have to make it work. You moved over new location for both of you, but he's away and you're trying to carve out new connections and networks and going to uni and doing all of these new things without your partner necessarily by your side. So how did you go about establishing yourself in a new location when the only person that you sort of know and the person that has gone on that journey with you isn't necessarily there with you? That was really hard for me. I didn't know anyone and I kind of felt a bit left out because he knows people from work and got that mateship and everything like that. I didn't know how to get that. So we had a couple of people around for dinner one night, became really good friends with one of the girls there. And then in summer just gone, we hosted a barbecue, invited everyone that he was pretty good friends with, said, bring your partners. Because, yeah, I was really struggling at that point. And he said, you know, if you're sitting here saying these things that you feel this way, there's got to be other partners out there that are the same exact same thing at home. So we hosted a barbecue with the intent of after that, we would have, you know, at least a group chat of girls that I want to catch up and get a coffee or let's have a glass of wine together or something like that. Just a group of people that are feeling the same way and in the same situation. I think now this field X that he's on currently, he's away for a month. I think this is the first time that I've ever felt truly, truly just comfortable him being gone. I don't even really notice that he's gone, you know, doing things on the weekend and seeing the girls and, you know, doing all of that sort of stuff. So I don't feel alone here anymore, which is really nice. That makes a huge difference for you and your mental health and your well-being and the way that you navigate the posting and then even your mindset going into future postings, knowing that, okay, well, I can move and I can make networks with people and I can connect with people and I just have to put myself out there and your partner being willing to facilitate that and help with that, that in itself is huge for you. But what does that also mean for your partner and your partner feeling comfortable when he goes? thinking, okay, well, she's not going to be counting down every minute until I'm home. She's actually enjoying her life. She's doing things she doesn't even realize I'm gone kind of thing because she is positive about the situation and actually enjoying life while I'm gone. I think it is nice for him because I think for a while, not that it was ever me versus the army, but he kind of felt a little bit torn because the two were so separate. But now I think he has the ability to fully throw himself into work and knows that I'm going to be okay. And I think he's really proud of the fact that I try to make other women in the same sort of situation, you know, welcome them in and starting this little, I don't know what you want to call it, little girl gang. I think he's just like, yeah, like, I think he feels really content with it all. And Yeah, that's amazing that you've been able to connect with people and recognize that that's what you were missing. Then you found that and you're then also helping other people to find that because you can recognize what a difference it can make. Yeah. I think because we came last year, last July, and it was partially 
way through the posting cycle and a lot of people were leaving at the end of the year. So people that we met, they were leaving in a few months anyway. And then turn it around to January, there were so many people coming in and it was their first time in a new location outside of Lake Sea Canberra. And I just felt like, oh, well, I know what it was like. It was really scary. Like I want to be there to help people. What is the near future likely to hold with postings and deployments and like we've already discussed that you can't control what happens with ADF life and where you're going necessarily for the next 10 years but do you have any sort of idea of how long you'll be in your location and then where the possible next postings might be? We've been told that 90% certain that we're moving to Pakaponyo at the end of the year that's only a 12-month posting and then following that we'll be hopefully back in Adelaide. So we'll find that out in July and then we'll get both of those orders at the same time, which is good. So that'll give us direction for the next three years. Following that, I'm not really too sure, but at least that's for the next three years. So that'll see me through uni, whatever happens, happens. So in saying that, how does it work with uni and moving locations? And you mentioned that you were doing nursing with that, I think comes prac hours and all of that sort of stuff. How does it work with your uni degree and moving? It's hard. The actual content is all online, all my lectures and everything like that. Practical, I'm really lucky that my university has contracts with facilities all over Australia. So it's very possible that I might get, even though it's a New South Wales based uni, I might get a placement in Adelaide or in Victoria when it happens. But I am lucky that I've still got family, I've still got friends back in New South Wales. It's actually kind of a good excuse to catch up with them. We're all over the country, it seems like sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you envision once you finish your uni degree and start working in the field of nursing, how do you envision that career working alongside defence life? And have you sort of done any research in regard to other nurses who are defence partners and their experience and how they sort of work it? Yeah, so our next door neighbour, she's actually a nurse and he's in the Air Force. So it's sort of funny that right next door and I can ask all the questions that I want. I guess it's just one of those things that luckily hospitals are everywhere and eventually it'll be hopefully okay. Any talk of family planning and how Defence Life might work with children or is it something that will just fit in with Defence Life or are you more likely to sort of think, okay, well, I would want to wait until we're in a posting where we have family support or I would want my partner to have sort of some idea about whether he'll be away or not? Like, have you sort of thought about any of that? Yeah, we have. Basic plan is to wait till I've worked at least a year outside of my actual studies and then looking to, you know, starting a family. I don't think so much that it will matter where we are. The main family support unit that we have is my grandparents and then Ben's parents who are all retired. So they'd be happy to get on a plane and come help out or they've got that flexibility. So if Ben happens to be away, obviously I wouldn't like him to be there, but I think even if he does go away, it will be okay. You've moved away from friends and family. You've established new networks and supports in location, but you're having to navigate having a partner that's away a lot and, you know, communication might be lacking sometimes or it might be just via text message or email and that has its own problems with actually being able to have proper conversations about things and stuff like that. How do you make sure that your relationship stays strong and that you keep that communication going? Do you do anything special when he is home to make sure that you guys are on the same page or making sure you're putting the the time and effort into your relationship? Yeah, so it's hard when they're away. We message when we can. It's usually me straight back on it. But um 
yeah, you just really got to savor those moments. And when he is home, if he's home a little bit after six, and that's fine. But you know, say six o'clock, phones go on the bench, and we don't have any phones, and we talk about our day. And I think you got to make those little moments special. They're so tired when they get home from work. You're so tired after a long day. Just really relish in your relationship for what it is. It's actually quite confronting because you've got to be so on the ball with communication. There's no, sometimes there is no time to talk. You just got to say it now or you might not get to say it for a week or, yeah, I think you just got to be really open, which is, yeah, confronting, I think. Sometimes, you know, the communication and the things that you communicate about and have to be open about are fast-tracked because of defence life. Like you had to have the discussion about whether you would move and stay together after one month kind of thing. So it is confronting to talk about those topics so soon. It was definitely fast-tracked and I think that's it was really, that was what made it hard telling family, friends and stuff that, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot. They're like, oh, my God, you are crazy. You are crazy. But I think, yeah, and the, the old thing of when you know you know, when we met, it was, yeah, I think we're both hopeless romantics and that just sort of plays along into it nicely you know everything's sort of special and everything's quite sentimental for me when it comes to that sort of thing you've been a partner for a little while now what have you sort of learned along the way that has helped you and may help a new defense partner listening to this or someone that hasn't even started that journey and their partner is away for training like what would you say to other new defense partners i would say that you've just got to let go it's no point trying to hold on to control. It's just like silly as it sounds. It's so easy to want to sort of like, you know, guard yourself from it all because it's really scary and you don't really know what's on the other side of it all. But when you let go and say, okay, well, whatever happens, happens, it's just a lot easier. And just know that as long as you guys are strong, then whatever happens isn't really going to shake that. And it's okay. It, like, I was so scared. I had no idea. Oh, I was so nervous about everything. But then, yeah, once you do something and you say yes, it's awesome. I think it's also maybe coming to the realisation that no one knows what they're doing when they're a defence partner, even when they're 10, 20 years in, it's still ever-changing. Like you still don't know sometimes what the next posting is going to be and what that might mean for you. And sometimes I still don't know what some of the ranks are and what some of the acronyms are. Like none of us know what we're doing and none of us are like the experts at being defence partners. I think the biggest thing was... I think I went to a dining in night and, you know, there's all these like sergeant fires and they've been in for so long compared to, you know, you went to Ben and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know. Like I feel so silly in this room. Everyone else knows what the hell's going on and I don't. But you're right. The more you get to know people and the more you talk about it, they're like, oh, we have no idea what's going on either. (laughs) We're all just feeling our way through. And honestly, (laughs) the people that say that they know about everything and they know every aspect of defense life, they must be lying. Like they, (laughs) you can just never know. You can just never know all of it. Like there might be someone that has done 20 years, but hasn't experienced the posting that you've experienced or hasn't had their partner be deployed on a certain operation. Like we all have such different experiences because we're on this journey together, but they're such different experiences for each ADF member, each partner and together as a family sort of thing. It's so true. It is so funny too. Everyone has this feeling of you're an imposter. You shouldn't be there. You don't you don't know enough to be in a conversation or something. But then when you get to know people more, you say, oh, they're just like me. This is all new to them too. This might be the first dining in night they've ever been to and they've been in for 10 years. And you might even have partners that you like connecting partners and 
you mentioned that you like making sure that new partners that come into the location feel comfortable and feel connected kind of thing because you know what that feels like but they might be coming to the location and connecting with you not knowing about open arms not knowing about the ADF health card so you are already an expert in some of the things because you have already done some of the things so they might be the ones then thinking oh she knows everything I need to I don't know anything yeah, it's so true. It might seem like I know just from those couple of things, but that might be all I know. <laughs> it's really funny. Then that partner also might, even though they haven't experienced being a partner for as long as you or they've just posted into the location, they might have already lived in three different DHA houses so they know a bit more about DHA, whereas it's your first time in a DHA house. Like it's just we're all learning off each other. And that's what I do love. Like when you crack into, you know, when you figure it out, there's this whole other side of defense, you know, like the partners and that whole thing. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so welcoming. And you do feel a part of something, you know, you might be on the the other side of a country from someone. And just because of your situations are similar, you're able to feel that bit of connection, which I think is really, really important. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emily, and telling us about your defense partner journey and the first posting and moving in together and figuring it out together and keeping that communication open with your defense member so that you can both have a positive experience living defense life. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really loved it. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarylife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 